Welcome to the Instant Journeyman Podcast Monday Motivation Series. I'm your host, Jeremy Andrzejewski. And with the Monday Motivation Series, we're going to go ahead and start off by interviewing successful businessmen and women, entrepreneurs, athletes, award-winning chefs, healthcare professionals, and so on to learn what drives them to be successful and what keeps them motivated once they are successful. So if you're having a rough week, or just need a little bit of a, a kick in the ass, uh, that's what we're here to do. So uh, please enjoy. Today's guest is award-winning pastry chef Craig Harjeski. Craig began cooking and baking at an early age in his hometown of Buffalo, New York, then moved on to work with well-known pastry chef Francois Payard at Payard's Patisserie and at Le Cirque in New York City. Craig then became the pastry chef at Naha in Chicago, and moved on to become the pastry chef at Brandy, where he features his refined French influences. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Craig Harjeski. All right, Craig, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, just just some uh, housekeeping items here. Uh, it looks like you had the uh, 2020 Critics' Choice. Uh, for the uh, award for Chicago Tribune for uh, it was it the uh, best pastry chef? Yep, that's right. And then uh, with Jean Bon Chez, uh, you had the outstanding pastry chef award uh, awarded to you. Was it this year or last year? This year as well. This year as well. Wow. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm having a good year despite the virus. Yeah, I would say so, man. That's that's pretty kick ass. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, just a, a quick background on how I know you. Um, we, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Uh, you are uh, a little older than me, and um, and we have mutual friends. And we actually went on vacation together, and you uh, you made some amazing dishes there. So uh, yeah, I, yeah. I I started I started uh you know we started hanging out every time I would be in Chicago for work, and uh, uh, Craig is a, a fellow cider fan of like I am and we go to yeah. a, a great cider bar not too far from him and it's uh it's the Northman little plug there yep. yeah <laughs> yeah and uh and we uh we we sit there we drink ciders for hours at a time and and rate them and then uh and then we you know stumble home <laughs> yep <laughs> pretty much <laughs> <laughs> so uh I appreciate you being on the podcast I, uh, just to give you, you know, everybody, uh, another, you know, listen, uh, we're basically reaching out to, uh, entrepreneurs, businessmen and women, um, you know, chefs, athletes, whoever, uh, I, I find that interesting or successful. And I just like to get their, you know, their story, you know, just, uh, you know, answer four simple questions. Uh, you know, what keeps them motivated once they reach a level of success and, and what keeps them keep going uh, and, and, and go from there. So uh, that's what we're going to do. So without further ado, we're, uh, we're going to dive right in there. And, and I'm, I'm curious, how did you get to where you are in your career or, you know, like where, where did it all start? In, in the bio, it says, you know, you started cooking at a young age and, and baking at a young age in Buffalo, but what, what drew you to that and how did you get from there all the way to, you know, uh, you know, these awards of uh, Critics Choice and Outstanding Pastry Chef Awards that you have this year? Well, 
way back, <laughs> long time ago, uh, my first job was making ice cream for a little ice cream shop at the corner of my streets. And that was my first real job where I was punching a clock. It was my first, yeah, I was a teenager. And uh, I, it just got me into a kitchen and I just, I, I don't know. I just was enamored by not only working, but I was around older kids who were, you know, seniors in high school and stuff. And so, you know, you felt like, uh, you know, you were kind of important somehow. So anyway, so I was started working there and uh, I continued working all throughout uh, high school, going to different restaurants. I've, geez, I've worked for a Bob Evans. I've, I've worked at so many restaurants just growing up paying my way through, through college and uh, actually went to college to be a physical therapist. And after about a year and a half of majoring and pretty much party and stuff, then uh, I found myself back in uh, restaurants again and I decided to pursue it. Um, I took a, uh, an apprenticeship and uh, I was happy to be my wife's grandfather, who I apprenticed with. And uh, he had further funneled me into a more professional, disciplined uh, manner of cooking and specializing specifically in baking and pastry. And uh, from there, I just tried to find the hardest, most demanding chefs I could find to work for and just learn from them. Never went to culinary school for any of it. Uh, it's just, I'm a stubborn individual who uh, I'm not afraid of long hours and hard work. That's pretty much it. Just getting in there that's, and doing it. That's crazy. I, I see. I thought, and I thought you went to culinary school. I thought you, you know, I, would you say that you're classically trained or, you know, by these, these very demanding chefs and, you know, and, and mentors of yours, or is it, you know, you just, did it on your own kind of, and just picked up from where they, they, they threw out there. So as far as classically trained, I don't know what exactly that is. I didn't have somebody hand me a recipe and then talk me through each little step of every little thing to do for making a creme anglaise. But what, what happened was, is I was given the recipe, I got a brief overview and I knew if I did it wrong because I would make it again. So it was a lot of hands-on either, you know, you got to get it done and you got to get it done in real time. So it's a, it's, it was a trial by fire for me. And so what I did learn was maybe not always textbook how to do things, but I learned from the knowledge that the masters that I worked for, how they had learned from themselves. And so whatever knowledge they had got pushed on to me. It wasn't like a textbook. So I, I definitely did get a flavor of, of instruction, if you would. And, and you worked for some, you know, high end uh, people, right? Chefs. Mm -hmm. You worked for some very high end chefs. And I, mean, I did. Le Cirque. Uh, I, so I, I, forgive me. I, I, I don't know Payard, uh, uh, history, but I, I know Le Cirque. You know, that's, that was, I, I went there once with my uncle and we didn't have suit coats because they lost his luggage. And I was, uh, I was, a, I think an 18 year old kid, you know, living in Manhattan with a $500 limit on my credit card. Uh, so I didn't have a suit coat <laughs> and, yeah. and they're like, uh, you know, you need a suit coat to come in. So we went and my uncle bought us suit coats just so he can go to dinner there. Cause he wanted to eat there. Um, so it's, it's, it's funny. Like 
I, I, I might have even been there when you were there. That was yeah, uh, it's absolutely possible. <laughs> it was, it was uh, 2000 and I, I want to say 2003. 2003, maybe, yeah. maybe. So no. when I was there, I took over for, actually, uh, it very well could have been me. I took over, Jacques Therese was the pastry chef, and you might know him. He's on television shows constantly. Um, he was the chef uh, two before me. He was, a chef, he was the famous pastry chef from Le Cirque. Uh, oh, okay. He was the one who created all the classics. And uh, after him, there was a, a Spanish fella who uh, did, I think he was there for a year, and then I had taken over from him. But I always pride myself. I'm like, wow, I, I took over Jacques Therese's job, which is a pretty incredible thing because he's Mr. Chocolate in New York City. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's right. Awesome. And, and now when you, when you first started and, and you said like, Hey, I'm doing this, you moved to New York city from, is it from Buffalo? Uh, yeah, I had, uh, my apprenticeship was in between, uh, uh, moving to New York city and Buffalo. My apprenticeship was North of, uh, Albany up in, uh, the finger or, um, Lake George area. Okay. Okay. So, so you moved to New York after that and you, I mean, go to uh Pyard and, and that, uh, and I'm, I mean, again, no offense, but I'm, I'm not well-versed in, in this world, but uh, Chef Francois, he, he was like a legit guy to study under. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. He was the, uh, he was the pastry chef for Danielle and then eventually, uh, opened uh Princess Rhee and um some of the the best pastry chefs had worked with Francois who are currently working throughout the country today um Johnny Iozzini, Lincoln Carson um I couldn't even name them all because there's just so many guys that have come through there and uh have established themselves as uh serious chefs on the scene wow that's that's awesome and now wow. so you you've reached a certain level right i mean when you're winning these awards and and you're i mean you're getting notified or noticed i should say uh on a, on a national level right you're getting noticed on a national level people yep. people know your name so so what what keeps you motivated uh, you know, to keep going right like once you once you reach that level what what stops you from plateauing and saying like well what else can I do? Like, I've, I've already got this. I already got that. What's, what's next for me, you know? So what keeps you motivated to keep going forward? Well, it's, I, I, you know, you don't do this for the awards because otherwise you'd never do it. If you were waiting for awards to come your way. Um, I'm, I'm always enamored with food. I love to eat and drink. It's one of my favorite things to do. And the, production of it, the, the artisanship of, of making food. It's, it's always in my mind somehow. Um, just recently I, I just reworked a, a brioche recipe cause I was just, I was just thinking about brioche one day and I was thinking about the recipe and I was like, well, what if I did this? Uh, you know, and I had kind of an idea of what it would do, but 
I don't know. It's it maybe the like the recipes kind of evolve with me as I get more skilled, my recipes improve or they they just change to meet my particular taste. I don't know. I'm always thinking about food and I'm always thinking about how to do things differently or better or, or I don't know. It's it's just like a curiosity for me. It's 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 difficult for me to to explain it exactly but it's it's just like a passing thought that I'll, I'll just dwell on and then I can apply it and I get kind of a real world return on my curiosities no that's 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 awesome that's really cool and and now you know when when I think pastry chef I'm thinking strictly desserts but you also do all the the bread right all the like everything there yeah um I, and I can cook does, regular does that, food does that too. Fall? Does that fall? <laughs> oh, you do? Does that yeah, fall I can. Under pastry? Like, like do, does, does the, the, the bread, does all that, does that fall under pastry? I don't even know. Well, if I could quote Francois Payard, he, he looked at me one day in the kitchen uh, and he said, Craig, in his like really thick French accent, and he's like, if you want to be the chef, you need to know how to do everything. And uh, I think I was like cleaning the inside of an oven or repainting a door frame because as cooks, you, you did all of the structural, you did everything for the, cause the kitchen was where you, you was your home. So you took care of it. You were the one, you know, taking out the trash, sweeping the floor, washing the walls. Um, so you need, you definitely need to know how to do everything because it's all intertwined somehow. You know, if, there are definitely specialists when it comes to chocolatiers or uh, bread bakers or boulangers are, are guys that just make like pastries and breakfast breads and stuff like that. So there's, there's a very specific niches for all of those things. But in the general marketplace, you're only going to find the successful guys are the ones that can do a little bit or be really good at all a whole fast, you know, like a, a complete package. So breads, uh, candies, chocolates, plated desserts, cakes. Um, I haven't made a wedding cake in years, but you know, there's, I made my own wedding cake. I've made some of my family's wedding cakes. I don't ever want to do it again because it is the most <laughs> nerve wracking <laughs> situation ever. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, I, I swear to God. And back when I smoked cigarettes, I would smoke a lot of them doing wedding cakes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, – you you do have to have your fingers in almost every one of those pots to be uh, relevant. Got it. That's, I mean, that's interesting. Like like I said, I, you know, when I think of pastry chefs, I think of, you know, strictly just pastries, you know, like um, – and you know, being in Miami for so long, it was it was, was pastelitos. I don't know if you know those. They're no. like a they're like a, a Cuban um, pastry with like guava inside. Oh yeah, really yeah, 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 yeah. They're um, really good. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, those are those are those are delicious. Um, so anyway, and and by the way, I love your posts on like Instagram, uh, like just the food and like oh my god. The things that you you you, you post are, are they look amazing, and I guarantee you they taste amazing too. Yeah, thanks. 
so uh, another another you know thing that I'm always interested in is, is when I when I talk to people that I I, I feel are, are successful and that have have made it in their industry. What time do they wake up? Right. So like my my question to you is, what time do you wake up on a daily basis? You know, do you, are you are you one of those guys like? And you and I we talk about this all the time, and I mention this in every single interview. Basically, is is you know, are you a Jocko Willink where you're waking up at four thirty every morning, you know, and, and and getting after the day, or are you more of like a, a Churchill guy where you you know sleep until you're noon and you have you know uh, breakfast in bed and read the newspaper and then and then start your day? Because wow. I know that I know the industry you're in is is predominantly nighttime, right? So you get out of work late. So, you know, you relax uh, after work and have a few drinks. And by the time you know it, it's, it's you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So what, what, what time do you, uh, on average, wake up? Yeah, my days are, are I, I like a fair amount of structure in my days. And regardless of what time I go to bed, I'm always up between six and seven. And I, I haven't set an alarm in years. Wow, um, okay. But uh, yeah, I'm almost always up between six and seven. Day off, day of work, doesn't matter. So um, I forget who said it. Uh, it's it's one of the like ex special forces guys that I follow on Instagram. But he his one of his mottos was every night is Saturday night and every morning is Monday morning. And I've always kind of liked that mantra is because you're that's pretty you're, awesome. Yeah, it's so that's kind of how I always look at it. It's like every day you're getting up and you're even if it's your day off, you're getting after something. That that's a great saying. I I, I like that. I yeah. Like that. Every every night is Saturday night, every morning is a Monday morning. Yep. That's cool. All right. So, so that answers my next, uh, you know, my follow-up was, is it seven days a week or is it just during the work week? And you just answered seven days a week. You do yeah. It. Yep. Yeah. That's and of great. course the, the morning routine changes a little bit, but I have two bulldogs that need uh, attention and, you know, and wife. And so it's. <laughs> I like that you put yeah. the bulldogs first. Well, yeah, because they have to go out. <laughs> So and that's I'm on the morning shift when it comes to the the dog's needs. So that's it's just the way it works out. No, that's great. That's great. And now, obviously, it's it, your industry. It's 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 a high stress, especially. I mean, uh, you worked at the Michelin rated Naha, right? Um, yep. And and that uh, for for those that don't know it, if you're you know, living under a rock. Michelin rating is is very hard to get, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So so when you're when you're working at a in an environment like that, are you you know stressed out and things like that? It, 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 so when you get stressed, what do you do to relieve stress? You know, are you are you one of those that meditate, work out, or are you an emotional eater where you're stressed out? You're like, I got to eat, or are you one of those that gets stressed out and all of a sudden you shrink down to like 110 pounds because you're not eating? too stressed to eat you know what, what do you do to relieve stress uh when when it hits you well you know what that's that's kind of been an evolution throughout my career because each restaurant each kitchen brought about its own unique stresses 
you know, and some chefs that I've worked for were yellers and screamers. Others were, you know, a little more passive aggressive or, you know, it's, so each place was a little bit different. I would say definitely in my younger part of my career, I was out partying a lot more. So I was going out uh, every night of the week and uh, crushing drinks and then going home, sleeping for a few hours and then going back to work. And so that's not really a sustainable lifestyle. And I've gotten to the point in my career too, where I don't like to live like that in a kitchen like that. So the, my work environment to the best of my ability is a lot more emotionally controlled. And it's not that I'm, there's not the passion or the adherence to quality. It's just that, I am a firm believer that unhappy cooks make unhappy food. It's, it's all a reflection of, of your emotion and your personality, especially with food and things you're passionate about. If you're pissed off, you don't care. You're just doing it to get it done. But if it's something that you love and you nurture, you're going to put that on the plate. And so if you're in a, in a highly stressed, irritable it's going to come out on your food. Your food's not going to taste as good. But you're, if you're in an environment, and this is a culture that I've always tried to create with my assistants, because I can make a little insulated bubble of pastry. I always try and keep it fun, jovial, you know, still serious, but the stress of, of the work is what you're going to put on yourself because you want to do a good job not out of fear, not out of getting yelled at or anything like that. So it's my days. Yes, are stressful, but it's, it's, it's stressful out of, out of love and passion for what I'm doing and not stressful out of I'm out of chocolates or, or whatever. It, it, if you're, if you're passionate about it, it comes through in the work and then it's self gratifying. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody has a bad day at work and you know, you, you learn from it, you move on. So, I mean, that, that, that's, that's really interesting to uh, a really interesting look at it because you know, when most people think of stress, they think, you know, stress is bad. And, and but, but it sounds like the stress that you put on yourself is, is almost in, in a way a good stress because you're, you're putting it on. So it, you know, it, it's, a, a, a joyous stress because you enjoy doing what you're, 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 you're doing, right. Making the food, making the, the pastries, making whatever. And it, you know, it's gratifying at the end of it because of the product that you put out. Oh, you know, absolutely. The, everybody thinks like work needs to be escaped. You need to get away from work. You need your vacation. You need time off, but I, I feel that work is such a fundamental part of the human experience because it's, it's where you learn about yourself. It's where you learn about others. It's, that's how I learned how to speak Spanish semi-fluently. You know, it's, you embrace all of these things in work. It, it, to me, the, the goal of life is not to evade work, but to find constructive building work to, nurture your your soul in a sense um some of my greatest uh 
achievements, I could say, or satisfaction has come through a day of a hard service or something that challenged my skills. And after it was done, I was very proud of it. You know, it's like a real life Lego set every day. Right. That's, I mean, that's a great, that's a great attitude to have. It's a great way of looking at things. I, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would think that most, most industries don't have that. They, they, they have exactly what you said. They need an escape from work. They need to go ahead and, you know, but it sounds like you're under the, 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 the thought process of when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. You know, yeah, yep. you might have those off days, but for the most part, you don't work. You, you, you do what you love doing. Yep, that's for sure. Wow. And, and now, because we're in a very unique time, and I, how, how is this, has this really affected, you know, you uh, and your industry and your restaurants and stuff like that? Has this, has this, uh, you know, COVID-19, the, you know, the, the shutdowns and all that, because uh, I know that you're in Illinois, uh, has, has, have they uh, been as strict as other states or have they been more lenient? Uh, you know, has it, has it been crazy or well, are you guys it, back to normal or a little bit of normalcy? Well, it's, uh, it's definitely been challenging. Uh, it forces you to rethink how you do business. And, and it's, I'm still learning and we're still figuring it out because luckily we've had some awesome weather here, but the concern is, okay, what's going to happen, you know, October, November, when it's 40 degrees and raining or, you know, it's so it's, you have to start to think about, all right, well, how do we continue to do what we do and operate in a way that is sustainable and still is product that we're proud to serve? So COVID has, has forced us to, to rethink a lot of those things. And then with some of the civil unrest, we were after all of the restrictions that prevented us from reopening were, were lifted to a certain extent. Uh, we were terribly vandalized by the riots that blew through and we were set oh, to open that. like a week after, uh, a week after the riots had smashed our, our facade of the restaurant and that put us behind another six weeks. So, uh, you know, all of these things have changed things. You know, it's now coming into work and we take our temperatures and, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a new world and, and we're figuring it out. We're figuring out the best we can to keep both our employees safe, which is immensely important, as well as the guests that come into the restaurants. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that you guys were, were vandalized either. So that, that sucks too. That just, that just adds insult to, you know, injury at, at, at that point, because you had, you know, to be shut down for a while because of the virus. And then you had, you know, a little bit, a little bit of a delay because of the, the, the vandalism. That's so that sucks, man. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That that, day, that's terrible. That day I got back I, or that day I uh, went down there and uh, I boarded up three restaurants on our block. It was it, just the the devastation was was so 
disheartening because looking around, it was all independent business owners, just people that was their livelihood. It wasn't like it was big corporations and, and right. soulless shells of restaurants. They were, this was, we were a family restaurant. We were privately owned restaurants. I've been with these people for 12 years now. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that hurts even more because you know, and you're not, you're not able to make money during the, the shutdown and then you have something like that happen and you have to, you know, figure out how to, how to, you know, put things back together again. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I have, I have uh, what I'm, I'm calling the million dollar question. So, so you ready for it? This is a fun one. Lay it on me. So uh, it's, it's easy for you to imagine this, right? Because you, you lived in New York, but uh, if there was a billboard of you in Times Square, all right, it could be, it could be you, um, uh, you know, in, in, in your, 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 your chef coat, it could be you uh, on your bike. Cause I know you like to cycle. Um, it could be you doing whatever, but what would it say on it? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, eat pastry. It'd be me and my chef coat and it would say eat pastry. That's been my, um, that's kind of been my mantra these days. And not just eat it to the extremes where you're, you know, causing health issues to yourself, but right, right. You know, it, it's kind of like taking a moment every day and, and just having a little pleasure for yourself and not in a destructive manner, but taking a moment and, and just doing something for yourself. That's why I, I often say that eat pastry because it's just it's something that i enjoy doing it's just you know a bite of a tart or a little cake or something it just brings a smile to my day and then i move on and i'm doing other things but it's that moment um when i was uh, i was in paris a few years back and i noticed that you almost never saw people with like a, a to-go mug of coffee or were eating something on the go you stopped, you had an espresso, and you had a, like a little sweet thing in the middle of the afternoon. Two o'clock, you stopped, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to take this time for me. So that's why I always think about that's the, that little phrase, eat pastry, means to me is, you know, take a moment, celebrate yourself. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, there you have it. Eat yep. pastry. Eat pastry. Well, I, I really to be employed. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't hurt, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast. Hopefully, we'll have you on again, and we'll we'll have you on like our, our whatever Wednesday series where we talk about basically whatever we want. We can talk about ciders because I know that you you like to dabble, and and you 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 know uh, you know bought your own kit and you made you made your own cider and taught you. Yeah, I mean, you taught me about oh, apple jacking and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hopefully have you on again and, uh, and talk about other things, but I, I appreciate you taking the time to do the, the Monday motivation. And, uh, you know, I, I had, I had a good time. Awesome. Me too. Anytime you want, I'm, uh, I'm available. All right, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best of luck, uh, you know, getting business back up to where it needs to be. Thanks, man. All right. Well, I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon and have a great rest of your week, everybody. Cheers.
And a quick plug, if you are interested in seeing some of the delicious pastries uh, by Craig Harjeski, just follow him on Instagram at Craig Harjeski. That's at C-R-A-I-G-H-A-R-Z-E-W-S-K-I. All right, let's go ahead and give a quick shout out to our sponsors. SaberCon Concrete Restoration, for all your concrete restoration needs in South Florida, why don't you give Jim and Scott a call? And VitFit Keys, where Mel will kick your butt into shape, now offering Zoom classes.